Don't you love Eddie and Amanda? They just, they make people feel good. You know, when, when somebody makes you feel good about yourself, you just like them. And Eddie and Amanda make, make you feel good. Uh, thanks. Thanks for letting me be here. It's, let me just say, right from the beginning, it's great to have my family here, at least half of my family, uh, Josh and Jennifer. Josh is the medical director at Branches, and, uh, and, and I feel blessed to work with him every day. So thank you all. It's been a hard few months to say that things didn't go exactly as anticipated would be a huge understatement. There has been, uh, oh, some bright spots. You have to admit there, there, there have been some, some prayer and worship. There have been even some miracles that have taken place. There have been those uh, people that have been added to the followers uh, but it's been hard. It's been difficult. There's, there's isolation and, and separation. There is, uh, tension and, and hurt feelings and frustration. And, and even in the church, there's this, this air of division that has risen up. And just last Sabbath, a big brouhaha broke out and there was, there were tables turned over and people yelling and screaming and 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 people thrown out of the church it just it hasn't been good and in case you're disappointed because you missed that big show i'm not talking about this church no that happened 2000 years ago it happened 2000 years ago and it led up to jesus saying you know what guys Let's just get together in a quiet place and have supper. I want to read that story for you. It's found in John chapter 13. Uh, it's, it's a real familiar story, but it's a story that probably is good for us today. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, heisteleos, to the max, as far as he possibly could love them. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand, but now, but you will after this. Jesus said to him, you sh uh, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet only, but also my hands and head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean. But not all of you. He said this because he knew who would betray him. You are not. And that's why I said you're not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment, and sat down again, he said to them, You know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. 
For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is one who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Just some some quick observations about that passage. Verse number one, he loved them to the end. Heistilios, as, as much as he possibly could. Verse number two, and supper being ended. Now, now their feet should have been washed before supper. They're so busy with their own problems and concerns and, and, and maybe struggling with who's going to sit next to Jesus that they forget to do this important thing. Verse number six, Peter is bipolar. He did, Peter's bipolar. No, you're never, you'll never wash my feet. Oh, just wash all of me. Just wash all of me. Verse number 14. You know what it says, but, but you have to admit, if you didn't know what it said, it would surprise you. Now that I, your Lord, have washed your feet, then you should wash my feet. That, that's, that's what you would think. But he said, no, you should wash one another's feet. Verse number 15, I have set you an example. And verse number 17 is about knowing versus doing. You know these things, blessed are you, if you do these things. Now, in the story, there's this little thing about Judas betraying Jesus. And, and by the way, it's interesting to me that Jesus washed Judas' feet before he confronted him with this. I, I, I wouldn't have done that. I'd have kicked the sucker out and then washed the people's feet. But Jesus washed Judas' feet. Uh, and, and then at the end of that story and that little, that little pericope about Judas... Jesus says to us the hardest thing that he has ever said. And we have tried for 2,000 years to get this right, and we have not. He, he absolutely lays the hammer down when he says, do this hard thing. Pray. I'm not, I'm not great at it, but, but I give it a pretty good shot. Um... Uh, Take care of the widows and orphans? Absolutely. We've built huge organizations to do that. Um, uh, render unto Caesar? I do that every April 15th. I got, I got that covered. Even love the Lord your God with all your heart. I, you know, it might not always look like it, but I do. I really do. But Jesus adds this thing that we have just been failing miserably For two millennia, verse 34 of John 15, Jesus pushes us over the edge when he says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then he doesn't stop there. You know, if he did, I mean, at this point, there are 11 people in the room. Judas is already gone. Uh, Jesus is going to be gone, so that leaves 10. So pick out 10 people and love them as I have loved you. I I can do that. I got Josh, Jennifer, John Michael, Jackson, Jacob, Allison, Caleb, Doris, Doris, uh, Pastor Eddie and Amanda. I got 10. All right. I got my I got my ten. I, I can do that. I'm 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 good. <clears throat> uh, I'm sure that they remember that 
just a little while earlier, he had said, hey, uh, love your neighbor. Somebody yells from the back, so who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story about, uh, about you. Now, my neighbors are not bad. Uh, Carolyn has a dog that barks all the time. Bill that lives behind us likes to get a tan and he's Speedo on the deck. Uh, but, but they're not bad. My, for the most part, my, my neighbors are white, God-fearing Democrats, and I can love them. Oh, it's an illustration. I could have said Republicans just as easy. It's a, they're, they're a lot like me, and I, could, and I can love them. But the guy says, who, who, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story about, a, about some foreign guy who speaks with an accent and eats a different kind of food. And, and okay, the Good Samaritan thing, I know that's hard for me, but, but at least the guy has a job, he's productive, he, he, he's helping people. That's, that's not bad. At least I can do that. But this love one another thing, it's tough. I take my top ten. I take uh, the widows and orphans. I, I take the people in my subdivision. I even take people that don't look like me. And Jesus just doesn't stop. Uh, Andrew punches uh, Peter. He pulls out his cell phone. And he's, he's been taking notes. For three years, he's been taking notes on Jesus' sermon. Pulls out his cell phone. He says, look at this. Remember? Remember the sermon when, he, when we were up on that mountain? Remember that? And Jesus said this in Matthew five forty four, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Are you kidding me, Lord? To quote my favorite theologian, John McEnroe, you cannot be serious. <laughs> are, are, do you expect me to love those guys that have rejected me? that have cursed me, the guys that held up signs and blocked the street when I'm trying to get to the gym. You expect me to love people that don't wear masks? You want me to love the guy that stole my Vote Jesus in 2020 sign out of my yard? I got that sucker on ring. I'm not going to love him. I'm going to post his picture on YouTube. That's what I'm going to do. In fact, the Lord, you are telling me... In in, in fact, to be honest, Lord, you're telling me to love all the people that I've unfriended and blocked on Facebook. How can I love them if I can't even tweet them? I, you know, I, are you serious? And then Jesus twists the knife one more time. In verse 35, John chapter 13. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Wow. Let me, let me give that to you in a different translation. Pastor Eddie's great about different translations. You know, I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. Little Greek runs a restaurant. Little Hebrew runs a clothing store. Uh, but let me give you. And this is this is a Pastor Eddie hasn't used this translation. I want to give this to you in the the NMC T, the New Mike Courtney translation. Uh, here's the New Mike Courtney translation. In the middle of a global pandemic, when people are afraid, on edge, anxious, and suspicious of one another. The best way to show them that you are a Christ follower is to demonstrate love to everyone you come in contact with. Here's another paraphrase. 
In the middle of a culturally fractured, racially divided time of demonstrations, rioting, and protest, the only way to prove you're really one of mine is to visibly love them all. One more. When the presidential election is just weeks away and the political tension is so thick you can cut it with a knife, when it seems everything you hold dear is hanging in the balance dependent upon whether or not your candidate is elected, the only chance you have of truly showing people that what a Christian is like is if you absolutely love everybody on both sides of the debate. I've left you an example. A new commandment. This is how they'll know. And just in case you think this is one little isolated place in Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, Above all, love one another deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 1 John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. Well, at least it's just brothers and sisters. I refer you back to Matthew five forty four: Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Or Luke chapter 6. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do the same. But if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good. And you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. I told Doris, I said, I'm going to preach a sermon on love, make everybody mad. <laughs> Here's the deal. For too long, we have tried to save the world by our power, our politics, and our presentations. If we, if we can teach people to speak in tongues, if we can do miracles and get people healed, if we can uh, help you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise by following Jesus, we can have enough power, we'll win the world. If we, can, if we can boost the moral majority, if we can stack the Supreme Court, if we can get the right people in office, we'll win the world. If we can have cool music and light displays and and slick-looking pastors. Now, Pastor Eddie's kind of fallen into that lately. He's starting to look more and more like Joel Osteen all the time. And he's just slimming down. He just if we, can, if we can have great presentations, we can win the world. And it's been the same for 2,000 years. Either we will love people into the kingdom or we will not reach them at all. 
Not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let me, let me take a really fast detour about one place where we are terrible at this. I'm not talking about Tennessee and Alabama football games. That, the whole love your neighbor, you're exempt. When you go in Neyland Stadium, you're exempt. You don't have to do that. And then when you come back out, you have to, you have to do it again. I, uh, I watched a documentary this week that my kids sent to me. It's called The Social Dilemma. I, I urge you to watch it. Now, here's the problem. It's on Netflix. So those of you who, who discarded Netflix last week, you got to load it again, watch it one time, and then discard it again. But uh, it, it's, it's a documentary about the huge social and cultural divide that we are well aware of and how social media has, if not caused it, has certainly exacerbated it and maybe without meaning has created a near catastrophe in our world. I want to make just three quick observations about that to remind you of a place where we're terrible at loving your neighbor. Here's the first observation. The sole purpose of the free Internet and the free social media is to gain influence over you. That's what there's a saying in the digital world. If you're not paying for a product, you are the product. If you think you're getting something for free, you're not. It's because they are trying to influence you and move you. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, all those things, they are paid for by clicks and likes and time on the screen. Advertising pays for clicks, likes, and time on the screen. Clicks and likes are garnered by the extremes, not by the middle. Uh, here's an interesting study. Fake news is six times more likely to be reshared than real news. We don't spend time looking at just the average normal stuff. We want to go to the extremes. And, and because of that, they are moving us to the edge. In other words, the goal of Facebook and all other platforms is to make money off of you by keeping you worked up and in, enraged in the margins, in the edge. That's, that's what they are about. The genius of social media, here's uh, observation number two, the genius of social media is the algorithms that seemingly read your mind and without knowing suddenly make your, you take you deeper and deeper to the edge. I, bought, I got new glasses. These are not them because I didn't like them on Santa back. But I got new glasses <laughs> from a place called Zenny Optical. Every time I open my phone, I get on the Internet, everything, there's an advertisement from Zenny Optical. I've never seen one before, and now it's there all the time. The algorithms, they, they, they read your mind, and they subtly move you deeper and deeper to the edge. Listen, this is not some sinister plot to take over the world. This is simply about making money. It, it's, just, it's just how they make money. And... In every uh, interactive platform on the Internet, they're trying to take you and me someplace where we otherwise would not go by showing us information that we have kind of liked in the past and then moving us th- this way. So it's tailored for you. Here's an experiment. I, want, I, I really would like to ask you to do this. By the way, I really encourage you to watch this documentary, The Social Dilemma. It, it is, it, it's, it, it, it's well worth watching. Here, I want you to do this experiment. Find a friend who is on the opposite side of the political debate from you. Hopefully you have one. Find one. If you don't, go out and make one. But find a friend. Take out your phones 
lay them down beside each other, and at the same time, Google Donald Trump. What will come up on one side is he's the savior of the world, the second coming of Jesus, and the greatest thing since sliced bread. And what will come up in the other phone is he's the Antichrist, and he's trying to destroy America, and he's the worst thing that's ever happened. Same search. It's just Google. Google's not political. Google's not. Same search. Anything. Type in Black Lives Matter. Type in the Assemblies of God Church. Type in Pastor Eddie. Oh, I'm just kidding. I don't know. It will only come up good on both sides. It will only come up good. We think we are. And so I wonder, how could those people be so stupid? Do they not read what I'm reading? No, they don't. They're getting a whole different set of information. Uh, so that's here's the third point. The influence of that has nearly destroyed our ability to listen to one another, empathize with each other, and genuinely care for those that we disagree with. In 1994, the divide between the, the middle-of-the-road Democrats and the middle-of-the-road Republicans was about 15 percentage points. We were about here. We disagreed on some things, but we, we were about here. In 2017, the divide is 85%. We can't even listen to one another. And this is not, by the way, this is not a political message. This is a message about what the church is supposed to do. Love one another. So here's three quick suggestions. Do not block or unfriend people you disagree with. Even if they make your blood boil, listen to the other side. Number two, dramatically limit the time you spend on social media. And parents, many people suggest, many psychologists suggest you don't let your kids on social media until they're at least high school age. Sorry, John Michael, but that's the deal. Uh, And number three, sincerely pray before, during, and after social media sessions. That God would give you eyes to see and ears to hear. Well, I've got to get back to the topic at hand. Facebook is just one example. And maybe in this we're being pushed to the edge. But the issue is not technology. The issue is theology. God has called us to love him and from that place to love others. And either we do that or we don't. And some of y'all are having a hard time loving me right now. But... But the only weapon we have is that. And so I want to finish by taking you to the place that you probably imagined I would go. The best description of love of any literature anywhere. John, or 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, I do not have love. I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Uh, let me give you a, a different translation. This is the uh, RCMC 
version, the revised C. Michael Courtney version. I had fun rewriting the Bible this way. If I make such profound and powerful posts on Facebook that I get a thousand likes and make people on the other side unfriend me but have not love, I'm just adding to the noise on the Internet. If I'm smarter than those stupid people that listen to CNN and Dr. Fauci and I have better insight on political motives than those fearful people who wear masks all the time, but I don't have love, then I'm nothing. If I picket in front of abortion clinics, blow up Instagram with Bible verses, and stand up for my rights against Antifa or Black Lives Matter or some neo-Nazi white supremacist group, but I don't demonstrate my love for all people everywhere, I have missed the point, and I am not like Jesus. Love is patient. It's willing to listen to the other side. Love is kind. It says positive and nice things. Love does not envy. It does not resent the political power on the other side. And it does not boast. It doesn't flaunt the power on our side. It is not proud. Love doesn't always have to be right or have the last word. It is not rude. It doesn't say mean or ugly things. It is not self-seeking. It is more interested in the well-being of others than in getting my own way. Love is not easily uh, angered. Love will not be a Karen. Uh, It keeps no record of wrongs. Enough said about that. Love does not delight in evil. Love doesn't rejoice over the beating and arrest of a rioter or the salacious Internet story of some political opponent's moral failure. We're not happy when other people have a miserable experience. It It rejoices in the truth. Love verifies and fact checks before it retweets. It always protects. Love is just as concerned about the welfare of illegal immigrants as it is the unborn. It always trusts. Love chooses to believe that even though we disagree, we're both seeking the right thing. Love always hopes. Love believes that a person with a different color of skin or political leaning is a beloved child of God. And love always perseveres. It never, ever, ever stops believing that God is in control no matter what the poll says and refuses to be drawn into the rhetoric or bitter speech. Love never fails. Love never fails. Love knows that when people really know how much God loves them and when they see that, when they see that, in the way I love them, that then and only then will the world be changed. So Jesus says, hey, this is, this is the deal. All, all these other things. You know what? I want you to pray. And he says, when you pray, pray like this. Don't pray exactly the way I pray, but just pray like this. I want you to do great miracles. Listen, you're going to do greater things than I've done. You're not even going to do the same thing. You're going to do greater things. But the one place where he said, I want you to be just like me. So I want you to love. I want you to love just like me. And he takes off his coat. And he picks up a towel. And he kneels down. In front of dirty, nasty, sorry, sorry, (laughs) nasty, feeded men that have been walking in sandals 
in, in, in clay and dust. And without a word, he begins to wash their feet. And he takes the towel from around his waist and dries it. Peter says, Lord, you're not going to do that to me, said Peter. If I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And he washes their feet. And he says, this is the only chance we've got. This is for my kids and my grandkids. This is our only hope. We do this or we don't make it. But love never fails. Jesus, help us to love. Stand with me, would you? I moved. Forgive us. Forgive us for being so blinded by our cause that we forget the basic truth of Christianity to love one another. Forgive us for being so blinded by our political party that we forget that other people on the other side are people with eternity. Forgive us. Forgive us. The people that have talked about me and talked about my children and my family people who have on social media tried to stain my character and my reputation. It's been hard. And I've had bad thoughts toward them. I ask you to forgive me and help me to love them. It's hard to love those people. But you said to, so it's possible. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray blessings upon this church family. Thank you for this heaven-sent 
word. Let us all receive it as a word from God, not a word from man. Now, no evil shall befall these precious people. No plague can come nigh them. Lord, give us and remind us of opportunity to love others this week. Let us take this word to heart and let it affect our words and let it affect our actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great week, would you?